So, would you like to introduce yourself to the Biota Live listening audience? <laughs> yeah, the vast humanity. Uh, my name is Heron Stone. I uh, am a linguist, and specifically, I'm working on a project called Earthling, which is a project devoted to debugging wild English so that it's a better language for thinking and communicating. Right. And you're interested in artificial life specifically? Well, I'm interested in all sorts of artificial things, artificial intelligence, artificial life. I don't see a whole lot of difference between them. Um, well, there are a number of distinctions. In fact, we, we will have the benefit very shortly of having Mark Badeau on, who is uh, the current chair of the International Society of Artificial Life. Uh, and are they talking about artificial life with DNA or artificial life living within silicone systems? Well, both, actually. Um, Mark is currently, I think, the CTO of a company called ProtoLife, uh, which is doing artificial life in DNA. Uh, mm -hmm. But my background is with regards to artificial life in silicon. The distinction currently is called wet and soft artificial life, and these terms... Ah, yeah. We, we also owe uh, Mark a great degree of gratitude because he coined these original terms as well. Yeah. Yeah, well, those are, ob those are the obvious two distinctions, aren't they? Certainly. <laughs> well, there's also hard artificial life, which is in robotics. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you put enough intelligence into a, any kind of physical system, it's going to... Uh, yeah, to me, life, the, the this biology is almost irrelevant. Have you read Kurzweil, any of Ray Kurzweil's work? Certainly, certainly. Yeah, yeah. I would, uh, have you, have you read any of my works on Ray Kurzweil? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm afraid not. Oh, well, but I um, mean, his, the subtitle of the singularity is When Humans Transcend Biology. Certainly. And that's a very um, suggestive title. <laughs> Do you think we might have already transcended biology? Well, in some sense, yes. Here we are. <laughs> We're in the matrix at the moment. Very much so. No, yeah. I mean, that, that's my argument. I think Kurzweil is about 30 or 40 years behind reality. And uh, I think he is that Yeah, certainly he's that way in economics. Uh, well, I, I think in actually in, in a wide variety of fields he's that way. Um, yeah. And certainly, I mean, my own concern is that really he portrays almost a... Uh, I don't know, some kind of historical science fiction narrative which is so far removed from the contemporary um, to, to, be, uh, to be slightly laughable. But we have Mark Badeau, I think, on the line. Let me just see if I can unmute him. Hello, Mark. Yes, hi. This is Mark. We also have uh, Aaron Stone on who is interested in artificial life linguistics from what, what you described, Aaron. Well, that's close enough. <laughs> Terrific. So... Uh, Mark, uh, I think it's probably been nearly a year since your last appearance on Biota Live, and I'm interested in hearing a, a bit of an update with regards to proto-life and wet artificial life and also the international societies. So do you want to take them in, in any particular order? Okay, let me just make a note here uh, for the list. Uh, let's see, let me go through in, um, uh, I guess I'll take it in more, or, well, I'll just, I'll go through them one by one. Starting with Protolife. Protolife has been, um, uh, has gone into, uh, uh, not quite gone into mothballs, but it, it, 
shrunk. Uh, the initial four years uh, of our uh, original project was finished and it was successful, and so we kind of downsized since then. What we're doing right now is writing up our results and so that we can uh, go out and explain to the, the people what it is we can do uh, with the technology we made there and uh, demonstrate it with published papers. So one paper was just today uh, or a couple days ago accepted in uh, PLOS One. So that's, that's nice. That's coming out in a month or so. And uh, we're just about a week or so away from submitting the other main, main paper. So I think then Protolife might start to uh, uh, have some more activity, you know, perhaps potentially hire some more people. Anyway, we'll seek some more, we'll seek a further round of uh, further investment at that point. Web artificial. So, does that any questions about Protolife before I move on? So, in terms of the folks that were part of Protolife, have they gone on to other projects? Is the linking with Protolife and Flint currently, or how will that evolve, do you think? Well, let's see. The people in uh, business development have largely gone on to do other things. One is now in graduate school, and I was uh, involved in that heavily, and I've now, uh, you know, gone, I'm teaching at uh, full time at Reed again, for example. Um, and uh, the software team is um, one of them went back to school and another one is still working with us and the uh, people in the lab the third group they have all moved to uh, onto various things and most of them have gone to Denmark at least the two key people are now in steam resolution group up in Denmark at Southern Denmark University and that's a wet a life laboratory certainly uh, yeah, so our goal now is, uh, I mean, our core technology is essentially software. It does involve um, it's software that's connected to high-throughput experimentation uh, uh, robotic devices for experiments in the laboratory. Um, but uh, we, we have closed our lab, and so we're, we don't have a lab at the moment. And in terms of the near term with regards to the kind of broader wet artificial life community, what's the current narrative? Is most of the work being done in Flint or is it being done all over the world currently? It's being done in a number of places. One is Flint. Uh, there's Shostak's group uh, in uh, Harvard. There's uh, Phil Luigi in Rome, uh, Diemer in California, um, uh, McCaskill in Germany, and you know others here and there. Um, one thing that's happening is I think that there's a uh, growing overlap recognized between wet artificial life, which is sort of bottom-up attempts to make new forms of life in the laboratory, and synthetic biology, which is uh, achieving, uh, receiving a lot of attention, and it typically starts with existing forms of life and then modifies them to kind of top down. And these, of course, are going to meet in the middle, and so there's increasing overlap between these methods. Um, the next A-Life conference, A-Life 12, will be in Denmark, um, hosted by Steen Rasmussen's group, Flint. And so that will, I think, almost inevitably increase the profile of wet artificial life in the, at the conference and so also to some extent in the research community. So I'd say, I, I think one of the larger narratives is that uh, things are getting, uh, you know, pretty close we're within you know, a small number of years now uh, off that someone will make some new form of life in the laboratory, something that's considered to be considered to be alive or very close to being alive 
And that will be a huge breakthrough and uh, tell a lot of uh, enthusiasm for uh, other people to follow into this line of research and also probably unlock a lot more money for this kind of research. And I think I've read an interview. Um, it was it was reposted a few times through various mailing lists with you, where you predicted, I think it was a wet artificial life industry functioning in about ten years. Is that is that the right quote? I don't remember predicting a functioning industry. I'm, I think that what I was now just talking about was a research result, a research milestone in a laboratory, and it'd be many years uh, between that and some industrial application. Uh, I would guess, you know, industrial application uh, is probably on the order of um, five to ten years after that milestone. So I think that the, the milestone, the scientific milestone that I was talking about, which is you know, creating a new form of life in the laboratory, that's from the bottom up. That's, you know, five years away, roughly, maybe ten. So I think industri industrial uh, applications could be within ten to twenty years. Interesting. And with regards to the International Society, have there been any any updates of note in the past year? Not any updates of note. There was a meeting of um, a at, at the European Conference of Artificial Life of all the people from the board who were there, and we talked about plans for the future and um, uh, our priorities. Uh, but we didn't have enough uh, people to have a forum, so it wasn't an official board meeting. Uh, which Well, I think that there is 
significant value uh, in artificial life for business in general uh, and some areas in particular. I think one, uh, so I think part of the problem is that it's an education problem. You know, we haven't explained things clearly enough. We haven't gotten the right people um, saying the right things to the right audiences. Um, one community that should be, so iRobot is a good example. I think another one that would be good to emphasize is the gaming community. I think their artificial life has had some significant impact on some games, and uh, there's a lot of money to be made in games. Um, the whole wet artificial life uh, business will be, uh, you know, sprouting in the next uh, decade. I don't think anything's going to happen in the next year, probably. Um, so that's a, that's a wait and see. Um, and then aside from that, uh, I I uh, what would be a good thing to do? I mean, I think part of the part of the problem is. Um, well, let's, let's look at iRobot. So why is why is iRobot not an advertising for artificial life? I mean, it should be, deserves to be. Um, why is there no resonance back to the election? I'm not certain. Do you have, either either of you have a impression about that? Well, I think your example with regards to the games industry is is interesting. I can certainly speak more to that than than iRobot necessarily. But I think the games industry borrows very heavily from artificial life, but doesn't necessarily give credit. There's an interesting kind of non-academic uh, standard in the games industry, which I think comes more from Hollywood in terms of actually copying things rather than giving proper references. I mean, we have a good example of that in the community with Jeffrey Ventrella. A lot of Jeffrey Ventrella's early work at MIT is used very heavily in the games industry, yet few people in the games industry would give any kind of credit to Jeffrey's work. In fact, and periodically, people reinvent Jeffrey's work in the games industry and get a wide variety of publicity associated with it. But, you know, this, this doesn't actually percolate out to the broader community. It really is maintained within the artificial life community. So I think in the case of iRobot, uh, when, you know, when I talk to people about in a, in a broader context, Ronnie Brooks is obviously the, the key figure, the linking figure, and I like talking about some of his earlier research, some of the uh, robotic ants, and also the broader philosophy that obviously uh, came out of uh, the, the MIT lab that he was a part of and the kind of folk that they had coming through. So I think the, the responsibility is pushed onto the community with regards to how to describe these things, and particularly uh, in the games community, I mean, recently with Spore, also with Flow, I've tried to give uh, as, as much availability as possible to uh, journalists and people in that community that are interested in understanding how these technologies came to bear. But in contrast, and I think iRobot is a good example, Spore is a good example, the folks that are part of the, uh, the media machine associated with these various enterprises don't necessarily want to describe a historical narrative. So there's an interesting kind of communication problem. An interesting point about this is it's 40 years um, since the publication of Conway's Life next year. And I think this is an interesting time for the artificial life community. Uh, just prior to you coming on, Mark, I, I gave a story about being contacted by BBC Television associated with 40 years of Conway's Life. They're actually more interested in footage for a Brian Eno documentary. But I think the 
40 years of Conway's life gives it a good opportunity for the artificial life community to come together in a kind of narrative sense and do a wide variety of, of good publicity about this one thing that has impacted so many different things. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if you're if you have a background knowledge with regards to the broad legacy of Conway's life or how it sits in the historical narrative of cellular automata, but in terms of financial analysis, weather calculation, a wide variety of social phenomena, sociological research, um, Dr. Paul Johnson is a good example of this with regards to swarm, but other more primitive cellular automata simulations associated with crowds. I mean, there are a wide aspect of... of uh, of thinking that has been touched by cellular automata in this regard and it's really down to us as a community to firstly find the people that are, have amazing level of knowledge associated with the effects of cellular automata in these broader areas and then kind of categorize that and put that into parcels which can be fed to the contemporary media and I've had some correspondence through the week about CNN shutting down their science uh, section I think the contemporary media's uh, description of broader science, and I include artificial life in that in some regard, hasn't been particularly good in recent years, but it's really for us as a community to start thinking about how we describe these things as a, something that brings back into the community. And this is one of, the, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on talking about these kind of topics, because I think... We need to have a broader strategy. It's something I've thought about um, with my work with Biota, but it's something that I think the international society is perfectly poised to talk about as well. And just prior to you coming on, Erin uh, and I were discussing Kurzweil and the broader singularity movement, in inverted commas, and how the artificial life community in some regard is being used to emphasize aspects of that, to contrast aspects of that, and certainly... Uh, in, in recent years, I've uh, published a couple of popular papers, a couple of academic papers associated with that, just to link the artificial life community in a kind of post-singularity discussion as well as actually a critique of the singularity movement. So I think in both iRobot and games technology, it really comes back to us firstly to promote the broader history, but also perhaps to offer alternatives. And I think this is the interesting thing with regards to Spore in particular, that we as a community actually have broader technology which could make things games that were far better than Spore, far more intricate, far more uh, long-term uh, playable and also probably requiring far less testing than Spore actually had. We had on uh, Chris Hecker, who is no longer part of uh, Electronic Arts Maxis, but who was a great champion uh, for artificial life technology to be used in Spore, and unfortunately his voice wasn't heard amongst the, the kind of choir uh, towards the end of the development. But I think there's, there's a broader hope. It's just the way we frame the discussion. It's just the way we interact with people like Chris Hecker and the media. And I think really the way to do this is through some kind of strategic understanding of the community about how we actually describe what we do. Does that, does that make sense to you, Mark? Uh, it, it does. I have a couple of couple thoughts uh, uh, in response to what you're saying that I'd like to emphasize. One is, I think that the 40-year anniversary of Conway's Game of Life is an interesting opportunity. It's a in the Game of Life is, you know, I still think it's absolutely fantastic um, invention and has led to all kinds of things, but as you were illustrating. Um, and I, I, I think the key thing that's needed is some people in the community who have a sense of... Um, how to do PR, how to be successful at 
raising money for research, how to be successful at publishing uh, results in high-profile places like science. You know how to um, have ambitions about uh, act, having artificial life play a role in the academia and also in, in business. What strikes me is I mentioned synthetic biology a little while ago. That that community has some individuals who are very good at all of those things that I just listed, and they have, I think, pretty consciously and very successfully um, hit on each one of those issues. PR, funding, publicity, academic life, um, business, uh, entrepreneurship, and um, and been successful. And there's a tremendous amount of uh, uh, energy and money and people going into synthetic biology. And I think that if we could find some of the same people in our community who understand what artificial you know life is all about and how we can be uh, valuable and would take initiative in the same way that uh, some folks in synthetic biology did, it could be uh, it could make a uh, make a big difference. So, for example, concretely, um, I think you're actually one of the people who could play help play you know be very helpful in this kind of capacity. But to make it more specific, we could uh, you know at the next artificial life conference, for example, maybe. What, one of the things I'd like to do is have the meeting not just be an opportunity for people to come in and talk about their recent results, but also an opportunity for the community to get together and to think strategically and um, discuss uh, what direction to go in and find people up and, and have some momentum coming out. And one way to do that could be, for example, to have a session in which we talk specifically about the value problem. And that's the theme of the session. And we have a roundtable or, or something like that. And maybe we can get people like the, uh, you know, um, some people from the gaming industry and some iRobot and some genetic and evolutionary computation, you know, some sort of um, machine learning is a certain approaches to machine learning or some other kind of application area of artificial, artificial life or artificial life ideas like genetic algorithms and evolutionary computation at one point was considered part of artificial life and now it's gone off. Um, so if if I, I think that the people who are you know the actual people who come to the conferences and publish in the journal and things like that, um, uh, in many cases are uh, you know happy enough just to do the same sort of thing they have been doing in the past. And I think some leadership or some examples of people saying um, coming in and saying, look. Um, we, just, just as you've been saying, saying that we need to make the case uh, and let's actually go through and be concrete and talk about some concrete examples, have presentations about those and examine those and test those, and furthermore, uh, somehow have people in the community focusing their, uh, uh, focusing more of their conscious time and effort on making advances that are going to be of interest to people who are involved in value propositions. Like, you know, it would be, it would be great if there's a, at every one of the artificialized conferences, there's a regular session, you know, that the gaming people will come to and all of the latest, coolest ideas about games, about, you know, a life-inspired ideas about games would get discussed and, and tried out and 
uh, you know, worked on there. And then that would that would be one of the, you know, that could be one of the signature events at these conferences. And that's that's one example. And it could be, um, you know, I think so, so. If we had some events like that, it might help to motivate people in the community and also raise people's ambitions. And I think part of what I like to do is I, I'd like to do that. I'd like to have people try to uh, think more seriously about, consider more seriously the possibility that they themselves would go off and be entrepreneurs, taking advantage of their A life skills. Or, uh, you know, go off and uh, be ambitious in other ways, like in academia or in, uh, 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 et cetera. So, uh, you know, this involves people who know how uh, the world works, who have some sophistication with public relations, et cetera. And, um, uh, not, you know, that's a, it's somewhat a rare talent to find, you know, people who are really good at that. Uh, 